This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome to a Real Man Wood podcast. This is Chris Lish, your host. I'm joined, as usual, by my co-host from Yahoo Sports, Dalton Del Don. What's going on, dude? Not much, Liz. Um, I got a. Uh, I did get food poisoning over the weekend on Friday night. Uh, woke up middle of the night, uh, through throwing up. I lost like seven pounds, uh, which was not great because I'm trying to gain weight. That wasn't fun, but that was just a overnight thing. My six year old daughter graduated kindergarten yesterday. That was fun and cute. Um, got fitted for a tux. Uh, hadn't for a wedding. I'm going to be in. I haven't done that in years. Um, and what else? Uh, Eastern Conference Finals is really super exciting. Was, uh, I know you're not into the NBA. I can't talk my Warriors. They've been off. They've been so good since we last talked. Uh, I'm beginning to think the Pacers may have lost that George Hill trade uh, for Kawhi Leonard on draft night. What a monster. Upset that I don't, I'm not going to go to Chicago with my boss, Jason, and Andy Barons. I was going to go to Milwaukee, check out Warriors Finals. It's pretty crazy to be up 2-0 and then lose four straight. Said we get, instead, we get a Toronto Warriors finals. I'm a little worried about Boogie and KD mixing in, but looking forward to that. Um, what about yourself, Liz? Yeah, I'm just rooting for uh, KD not to come back and the Warriors to sweep. I was talking about it uh, with Nick Whalen today on the uh, XM show, and I was saying, actually, ideally, the Warriors would be up 3-0, and then KD would come back for game four, and they'd lose four in a row, and they'd lose in seven. Yeah, that would be quite something. It really would. Not ideally for me, but I hear what you're saying. That would be quite the narrative. I don't dislike the NBA. I like the NBA. It's just I, I only really watch baseball and football these days. I'm going to start getting into uh, Benfica here. I think after the summer, I'm going to buy the package and get into the local Portuguese teams and get into soccer. I'm starting to speak a little bit better Portuguese. Still pretty bad. I mean, I you know I can kind of have a conversation with the Uber driver or people that don't speak English, but um, it's still you know there's a lot of words I don't know and a lot of tenses that I, I botch. But I think that's going to be a good way to improve my Portuguese is to watch soccer in Portuguese. I've been going to the gym, and I've been riding the exercise bike, which is kind of a waste of time. But I've been doing it with the headphones, watching the French Open in Portuguese. So you get a little exercise while picking up the language and, you know, watching the French Open, which I kind of like. So it's not bad. Yeah, you know, you're a smart guy, an inquisitive guy. I'm, I'm frankly surprised it's taking you this long to, uh, to learn the, the other language. Well... Hey, I'm not sure that, you know, if I'm smart, that that means that I would be good at learning languages, although it might, but it, I think those might be separate things. Sure. Two, I've just been incredibly lazy. Like, I take classes. I'm going to my last one tomorrow. But, like, and I do the homework that I'm supposed to do. But, like, I know what I need to do. I need to, like, go over the verbs, the key verbs, like the 30 verbs you use all the time, and just, like, literally write them out by hand a few times so I just remember them cold. I just haven't done that. You know, there's just things like that that I have not been doing. I need to be like listening to podcasts in Portuguese. I need to be just immersing myself. And I'm going to start doing that. I was a little busy with the football magazine, so that was part of it. But it's not that. I'm just late. I just don't want to. When I have extra time, 
I find myself like on Twitter or reading about, you know, random stuff. I, there's a cool thing I read about, we'll get into a minute, but I don't really find myself doing Portuguese, extra Portuguese work to learn the language. I just don't, just don't, it's just not that exciting to me, but I'm going to try to kick myself in the ass and do it because, you know, it'll make my life here better. And we have this whole tax issue, which is coming to a head. And once we've solved that, we'll see. I mean, I'm kind of nervous, actually. It's kind of like having a gigantic bet down, like gigantic. And it's just going to, depends where the roulette wheel hits, if it hits red or black, basically. And uh, so we're waiting on that. And if that comes out the right way, then we'll probably be here at least a few years. And then I'm going to probably double down on the language. Right. Working from home certainly doesn't help, I, I would guess, with that. But uh, getting into soccer. And everyone probably, speaks English. I don't, need to, I don't need to learn Portuguese for anything in my life uh, here, except, for, okay. I mean, it, it helps. It's cool. Like, it's cool to be able to, like, understand what's going on around me a little bit more. But you, literally, you could speak zero Portuguese and get by here just fine. That's why it's been hard, too. All right, a couple of things I want to get to. Um, a lot of football, as you, you talked about, you wrote about the magazine. I'll get to that next. First, I want to ask you some baseball stuff, more briefly the baseball stuff. But uh, you got to talk about your second chance draft. I know you did one. Scott Pianowski did one as well. I was on the Yahoo pod earlier this week. Um, I'm jealous I should have done one. It's just the timing didn't work out. But um, definitely wish I had. Looked like fun. So do you want to talk about your team? You picked 12th. I'm sure you, I'm sure you think you crushed it. I do think I crushed it. I like it quite a bit. I picked at the turn, and I and I said I wasn't. I was like, because I didn't really want to do it that badly. I mean, Greg offered it. I'm not going to turn down a free roll. I love the NFBC. It's fun, but I, you know, my teams are starting to wake up, so I don't really need a second chance. But I was like, all right, fine, I'll do it. And then I was like, but I'm not going to put that much effort into it. So, but then my league filled, and then there was like a few hours between that and when they, you know, drew the KDS. And I was like, oh, you know, I am going to set my KDS. And so I put 12 as my first choice because I wanted to try to double up on pitchers. And exactly what happened, Verlander sale. I got him 12-13. I was very happy with that. And then I just went, you know, pretty much all offense. And I punted saves. I didn't punt. I mean, I got – I already got one save from Hansel Robles. And I, and I got the Rockies closers, Wade Davis and Scott Oberg. And then it's a 12-teamer, so I just figure I can, like, fab the saves later on. Trades will happen at the deadline. Like, whatever. It, it'll be my weakest category, but it's the one I'll spend my fab on. And I just got like a monster team, in my opinion. I got a lot of rookies. I, I felt like I got a lot of guys cheap. I got Chris Davis and Fernando Tatis at the 13-14 turn. I got Vlad Guerrero and, and Glaber Torres as my top two hitters. But I pretty much just got players with upside that I like. And I got like Machado and Aaron Nola at the 5-6 turn. Like ridiculous discounts from the start of the season. And neither of those guys, like they're not doing that well. But there's nothing fundamentally different about either one of them. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm especially annoyed because when I found out I was going to do the P&L pod and he was going to do this, I went Sunday to see if there were any openings, but it looked like it, all the signups were filled. But then I later find out, of course, the list one was hard to, to, to sign up. So maybe I, I should have bugged someone and seen if I could have got in on this action. But it's tough for me to really criticize because I, don't, I didn't go and re-rank my players. But honestly, it looks like you did a good job. I like with a lot of the, the guys you got that are, were kind of battling recent injuries or whatever seemed to be a discount. But yeah, Verlander sales, basically your your perfect your ideal start. The one thing I want to give you a hard time is uh, what a week after we made a bet, you took Vlad in round three and then Sinzel six rounds later. I mean, that's kind of funny, right? Well, no, dude, I'm getting two to one in the bet. It's funny. Jeff is always saying, well, your record in the, uh, we do this force the bet thing on XM where we pick bets. And he's like, your record's like six and six and mine's seven and five or whatever he's saying. 
like, dude, I'm always taking underdogs. Like, you know, like I, it's, it, you can't look at it. Like I'm taking an underdog. I'm getting two to one on my money. So of course I, I, I wouldn't have done, you know, I said it was 55, 45 after yeah. Senzel got off to a good start. You said it was 75, 25. So we split the difference. Um, so of course I would take Vlad ahead of Senzel, but there's also ADP, which, you know, Vlad's is higher. And secondly, Senzel's actually winning that bet so far. I mean, it's not even that close. I mean, Vlad, I still think Vlad's going to oh, go on and, a tear pretty and in, soon. In, in your defense, you got like two weeks of bank stats that were better, too, in our bet. Yeah, That's no, no. Bet, yeah. right, exactly. And this right. wasn't even right. So not only am I getting odds, I got bank stats. Yeah. So it's, and then there's the ADP. You know, Senzel's got five steals. You know, like yeah, that's, no, I'm aware. I know. He's a couple, couple yeah. pot stealing. I mean, keeps running. I, I would, I mean, if you want to double the amount in that bet, Say instead of like thirty five sixty five, make it seventy one thirty. I'll do it. I mean, I, I think that's still a good bet for me. But but yeah, I'm happy to have both. Uh, I, I, it's not like I didn't like Vlad. I was I'm happy with Vlad. I will do that list. No problem. All right, let's double it. Let's double it. Let's double that. Double okay. it. Done. Yeah. Okay. And, and the rule okay. is, if it's not obvious who's better, like we'll just call yes. it a wash. But yep. it's actually yep. bad for me because. I'm getting two to one, so like if it's close, I want I want the coin I want a coin flip actually. Well, we'll but we we'll, said we'll that. We'll make that, it fair. Yeah, we'll make it fair. Yeah. I mean, if you feel like you you were a little ahead or something, and you, uh, if you think I owe you ten bucks at the odds, that we, we'll come to an agreement. No problem. Um, right. I'm, I'm fair with those. No problem. But um, all right. So cool. So that was a, a so that was a fun time. <laughs> Had you ever done anything? Seventy one thirty now. It's seventy one thirty for that bet. What um? So yeah, you had a good so good time doing this draft, and you uh, it was it was uh first time they've I think they've done these uh second chance things. I wish uh I probably do it if they keep if they do it again next year. Yeah, I mean again, and you know I was telling Greg because he was on the show that the NFBC uh, is just so much better than it used to be in terms of the Fab situation. I don't know if you noticed that, but like I always dread the Fab because I used to be like ah oh, fuck I got to do my NFBC Fab I got three leagues it's gonna take me two hours. It ends up taking me like thirty five minutes. Because they've made the commission thing so easy to use. And now it's by far the best commission. It used to be one of the, I wouldn't say it was the worst, but it was in the bottom half. Now it's number one by far. And I think all the other commissions should copy their technology and do it that way. You, I could probably, not that I'm going to do this, but I could probably have like seven NFBC leagues and not be totally in hell because of how simple it is to do the fab now. Yeah. No, it has. Um, <clears throat> I agree with you there. It has been much easier. Um, one other thing in baseball I want to talk about, I think you did, I, actually, I know you did the same. I heard you talk about it, but man, on my main event, uh, league team, I, I benched Malik Smith this week. Just so, yeah, so frustrating. Too. Just so you check today. So, uh, well, the last I checked, he went three for five. What was that last night? No. What do you do today? That was last night. You check what he did yeah. today. No, he's already stolen a base and got an RBI today. Oh man. God, I'm so, uh, so frustrating. Okay. But who'd you sit him for is the question. It's probably really bad. It's 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 bad. It's a, it's Drupal Cabrera. I'd say is the guy I sat him for. Okay, so I sat him for Chris Bryant, who was hurt. Thank God Bryant's at least playing one game. He's playing today. I almost sat him for a total zero. Bryant's been raking though. Like Struble's been. I not, know, and I mean, that's, Malik was like sitting out worse. games. He was yeah. doing nothing, and you know, Bryant was like day to day. I was like, ah, oh, right. fuck, okay. Right. No, I'm saying and yours so, is more justifiable. I mean, because Bryant's a monster. I mean, Struble's whatever, you know. But um, but man, right. I mean, Malik's not. Well, no, I also put in Brian Reynolds, who's also crushing okay, it for me. Okay, Brian Reynolds right. of the. The pirates yeah that's still definitely more of a no name but um yeah i know but good to see i'm glad he's doing it but i mean i hope he continues i mean the guy was about ready to get benched again i mean luckily d gordon hurt but i mean after coming back from the minors he had been terrible you know well now he's leading off so that right. that's huge right. like, he's leading off that's big time and then and he's leading off today against the lefty which is even better and then oh no i guess uh 
Yeah, LeBlanc. Oh, no, who's the uh, smile? Yeah, LeClerc. No, it was LeClerc was the opener. Yeah, the opener. Smiley right. was the next guy. He was a lefty. Right. So that's even better. I told you last week, right? I've been Sonny Gray yeah. at uh, Milwaukee. I didn't know Yelich was scratched. And it was Colin McHugh, who I benched him for, who ended up being hurt. And then I had to drop. And then I also benched Lucas Giolito last week against oh. the, at, at Houston. Oh. Right. So basically, I, I lost two ace starts. And then I benched Sean Kelly, who got three saves last week. So I had like three ridiculous pitchers on my bench, and I had Colin McHugh didn't even pitch last week. Ryan Brazier, who did nothing last week, and some and Michael Waka, who got shelled, and I, I'm so happy to have dropped that guy. And this week I started off by benching Malik Smith. So my team's still in seventh despite all that. Knock on wood, I've been telling people this. I've been incredibly lucky on injuries this year on my NFPC main team. I mean, it's in seventh place despite Jose Ramirez as my first pick and all sorts of bad lineup management. Because it's been like uncannily healthy. Oh man, yeah, that's a uh, Mal- that's that's a that's a pretty bad string of benches there for sure. Malik Smith had forty bags last year, and like four hundred and eighty at bats. I mean, the upsides are just massive and steals league wide down. I mean, I hope he keeps it up. But uh, yeah, that's that's a rough stretch list. But hope the problem is now. Then if the players start doing well, then you'll suffer the injuries. Uh, now is the time you you will. But right. But well, listen, listen to this. my whole team. The whole NFBC team, I had a Rodisus at Guyano out for the year. David Robertson injured enough that, and not even closing that I had to drop him. So two of my closers, that hurt a little bit. And then Luis Severino I took in the ninth, and obviously I was hoping to get him back in May, and he's, he's still out. But that's pretty much it besides, like, Chris Bryan and Puig missing a couple of games. That is it. I mean, you know, day-to-day bullshit. That is very little. I mean, there's people who have Turner, Judge, Stanton, Kluber, there's a lot, you know, Clevenger. There's people who tie on. There's so many serious injuries. You know, uh, Springer, Correa, Altuve. Yeah, I have. Knock I on wood. Know. I know I'm jinxing the hell out of myself. I've, I've been very lucky on injuries in that league. I have Correa in a bunch of leagues. That Miles Straw guy can run like crazy. I had my eye on him, but I was frustrated at NFBC. You can't pick up guys that haven't been called up. He probably won't even have an everyday job or whatever. That guy could run like crazy for people looking for for stolen bases. Lucas uh, Giolito, uh, I was all over that guy uh, last year. And then he looks like completely the real deal. I think he had the worst ERA by far last year uh, or FIP. And now he has like the the sixth best FIP right now. It's like not smoke and mirrors. He's legit. A ton of strikeouts, which are in a better environment, but he's like totally legit. Um, One other question for you about that draft. Did Alex Reyes go in your draft? No. I've just been picking that guy up everywhere and basically for free this last fab buds. You talk about Michael Walker, but I don't know. They moved that guy into the rotation. Um, he's hitting 99 miles an hour. He's seemingly healthy again. Everyone was all over him two months ago. Um, I don't know. I, I, in leagues in which he's available, uh, I, don't, I don't see why now is not the time to, to stash that guy. I think I grabbed him in the one we're in together for a buck. All right. Good to know. I, I didn't thought of him. I have Carlos Martinez in a couple places same, for the same reason. You know, he's... Jordan Hicks just got blown up. I don't, you know, I don't think he's that good. So we'll see see what roles they have. Yeah, I didn't really notice that Ray's had uh, come back. I knew that he was hurt. Yeah, he already hurt his fracture his left pinky for like punching it because he was mad after a, a start. He's had dealt with injuries. I think his daughter had like cancer last year. He's dealt with some hardships, but I think he's um I don't know he's healthy now and that guy's like crazy electric stuff. And if they moved him into the rotation, I think they're going to quit messing around with him. I think they're kind of blaming his mechanics on that. So I don't know, he's a guy to, to, to consider, uh, you know, this podcast is where you go to for your fantasy advice. Um, all right. I want to talk some NFL. Yes, yes it is. I want to talk some NFL with you. Um, 
One, I, I kind of already had him ranked here, but I was reading a, an article, I think, by Scott Barrett on Pro Football Focus. What are your thoughts on uh, taking um, uh, Travis Kelsey ahead of all the wide receivers in fantasy this year? No, not doing that. No. I, I don't. I think that the problem with Kelsey is that I think the ceiling for a tight end is going to always be like 140-ish targets, 145 targets. Because it's just they have to block also, and it's just it's just a more demanding position than wide receiver. He had 150 last year. I think that's about as much as you get. And so I don't know. I guess his numbers were not far away from like Hopkins's numbers. They're actually yeah, pretty yeah. close. Yeah, he was. But a wide it's not. One. It's not crazy. It's it's not crazy. You also need three receivers in the flex. You need three and a half receivers basically. You need one tight end. And you know, tight end's not deep, but it's not that shallow. I don't know. I, it's not. I guess I could see the case for it. I, I typically have found that I rather, I kind of rather mix and match tight end than receive than like third. I'd rather have my receivers locked down and like mess around with the tight ends, and they seem to get hurt more tight ends. But it's not, it's not crazy. I was a little dismissive when I first saw that, but I can see it. Yeah, no Tyreek Hill. I know you're saying he, he might have maxed out Kelsey. You know, the tight end can only do. So yeah, much, I, I just but. don't think. He's going to do more. I think that, you know, Nicole Hardman is going to get some targets. Watkins may have a bigger role to the extent he stays healthy. Some other scrub that we don't really know about yet may get more work. I just, you know, maybe Kelsey gets 170 targets. You just almost never see it from a tight end. Yeah. Um, he was, I think he was definitely a tight, uh, top 10 wide receiver numbers last year. But um, one thing I noted when I read, I think it was the same article, but I just uh, laughed and I uh, wanted to bring it up to you because, um, I don't look at other people's rankings, but it somehow mentioned that the difference between Kelsey and the tight end five was the same as the wide receiver one and the wide receiver 20 or something, which happened to be Tyler Lockett, which is funny. That's exactly where I had him ranked. And apparently, according to Pro Football Focus's projections, they have him exactly 20th. And you mocked me last week, you know, how bad what you have him like very. Uh, I don't care what Pro Football Focus is I, doing. I just thought it was I funny. I it really was don't, exactly, I don't care. literally exactly where they, they, what I had. It was just funny. Funny thing that you just, you know, we, we went over it last week. You actually talked me into lowering it, lowering it, but I decided it was funny. Yeah, I mean, he got 70 targets last year. Yeah. I mean, what? I, I don't, I don't understand what people are seeing in that. You got, he got 70 targets. He's not a red zone guy. Where, I, I just don't see any upside for him. I mean, the the efficiency was so ridiculous last year, and he'll always have that. He'll always yeah. have that record. Yeah, Baldwin, know, maybe, reti- just, Baldwin maybe retired. I don't see. But- I just don't see it. I don't see it, and they've got more competition for him. It's not even the competition. It's that even with no competition for him, with Baldwin a shell of himself and missing some games, you know, and and being that great, he got seventy targets. I just I don't really I don't get it. I would definitely going to ask you about more wide receivers. I heard you bring it up to to Jeff on on the XM show. I know you just wrote him. Uh, that's your expertise. So, but but uh, man, football's just coming naturally anyway for some reason right now. I got uh, offered a. A trade in, in one dynasty league I'm in today, this afternoon, um, they have this Debbie draft, which is essentially a minor league system. I doubt you're in a league like this, but it's like for college players. And I have, uh, I have Mario Puig, Rotowire's uh, Mario, handle that for me. And someone just offered Chris Godwin straight up for the number two pick in that. So we just took that reflexively. I mean, you have to be pretty confident in a prospect that far out in football to, for, for Godwin now. And I have a dynasty draft tonight, a fantasy pros dynasty draft, a bunch of people in the industry um, I have the number four pick of just college guys list with a two quarterback league, so that uh, that puts Murray on, you know, obviously in play. 
Um, I know you don't follow college much, but do you have any thoughts on this? Like, what if you had the fourth pick of, 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 of a dynasty? You're not going to get Murray. You're never going to get no. Murray in the 2QB league. No yeah, chance. You I might know. get I, Dwayne Haskins. No, but I, I'm a fear. I'm just going to be Jacobs, Montgomery, and Murray gone, and then the fourth pick is going to be like, I mean, where do you go? Harry, I mean, the receiver on the Patriots. I, I might, Miles Sanders. I might go crazy and just take Henderson and and just bet against uh, Gurley. Yeah, yeah, Henderson is is a swing for the fences for sure with Gurley being on the ropes. I mean, do you have any yeah, receiver Bikil, prospects? But Kill Harry I, you know, seems like he's right, I mean, legit yeah. though. It seems like they're gonna. I, I should maybe move him up before we submit the final magazine. I, I moved him up a little bit, but and you know I'm like rookies and Patriots. It usually takes them time, but it's so wide open there and. And they, they like love this guy and he doesn't have like the crazy speed or anything. He's big, but you know, Michael Thomas isn't fast and he came in right away and it, it, he may be like Michael Thomas or somebody like one of those guys that just can play wide receiver, you know, and, and they trust him immediately. All right. But Brady's whatever, 42 years old or whatever. There's no like Calvin Johnson type wide receiver. What do you think? Should I take like a Henderson over uh, this wide receiver class or, or is it Harry? They like him a lot. He's in New England system. Uh, maybe he can contribute right away and I should go after him. It depends. I think if you're a contender this year, you might want to take, but you never know. Football's so volatile. I, I mean, know. it's like you think you aren't a contender and then suddenly you are because right. you, cause you exactly. took Henderson and Gurley's like out for the year in August right. or something. And right. Totally. Just take Henderson. Yeah. Come on. You want to take him. Just do it. Oh, yeah. Just do right. it. Okay. Nutless right. monkey takes care. Okay. Kill I'm Harry. Taking... All right. Okay. That's exactly what I thought. Done and done. All right, I'm going to throw some receivers at you so you can try to influence my uh, opinion here. Um, so Calvin Ridley, the, the main one, the next ones I'm going to give you all that kind of the same team, but there'll be a theme here, not on purpose. But Calvin Ridley is the first guy I want to ask you about. Put up monster games, certainly wasn't consistent. Um, uh, yeah. But what are your thoughts on him? I'm 27 in PPR. You know, second-year receivers who show promise their first year, who have pedigree, Ripe for a huge breakout. Problem is Julio Jones is a target hog, and he looks just as good as ever. And Julio Jones has played the last 32 games. So there's no real extra injury risk for Julio. And with Julio there, it's just hard for Ridley to have more than a modest breakout. But he could. You know, it could be like Harrison and Wayne at the end of you know, Harrison's career. Ridley becomes the Reggie Wayne. Sanu is kind of a afterthought if Ridley really takes another step. I think Sanu will end up with 75 targets and not 98 or whatever. So... There's a little ceiling there, but I gave him eight touchdowns. I gave him 935 yards. I mean, you know, it's a solid projection for him, but Julio is just sort of really caps his target ceiling. Yeah, that all sounds fair to me. I want to like him more, but the situation, I have him like mid-20s, mid-late 20s as well. I, the more I look into it, though, the guy I like uh, more and more is Devonta Freeman. I think I like the situation there, if he can get healthy and uh, where he's going in drafts. Uh, I'm kind of liking him to target more. Uh I got him 17th in PPR just behind uh, Damian Williams, your guy. And I could see it. You know, I mean, just the concussion history is a yeah. problem, though. I mean, one concussion, it's done for him. Yeah. So yeah. he's on thin ice. I mean, he's completely, you know, he could get 240 carries and 55 catches and be a monster again. He was like the best. He's one of the best fantasy running backs in the league and for a couple of years. But he's just one bump in the head away from really being done, I think. So that, that's why he's a little lower. Definitely. Yeah. But you get him third, late third, early fourth. I'd, I'd be happy with that gamble. Um, the Detroit guys, Kenny Galladay, love Kenny G, but for the price and especially with my strategy this year, I, I wouldn't mind Marvin Jones falling with uh, obviously, you know, no golden Tate there now. So what are your thoughts on, on those guys? 
I just moved Jones down a little bit. I'm 42 in full PPR. I had him a little better, but he's getting to that age where they take a step back. It's a new system, so it's going to maybe more run heavy. And Galladay, I think. Oh, that's right. They got tired of Jim Bob, huh? Yeah, they got tired of Jim Bob Cooter. And when Marvin Jones signed as a free agent, he was sort of his late prime. And Galladay didn't, you know, wasn't even there yet, or was a rookie, or you know, didn't really have a a big role. And so Marvin Jones and Golden Tate were kind of one and one A, and then Galladay kind of came on. But now the new regime is going to see Jones older coming back from an injury, and Galladay probably is like the clear one. And so I could see Jones being the one or the one A, maybe one last time. But I think there's some serious downside. That does seem kind of weird, but Marvin Jones was born in 1990 and Galladay was born in 93. Kind of crazy. Yeah, Galladay, I guess, is pretty old for a prospect. Yeah. Um, all right. Okay, those are, yeah. the running. What about Carry on Johnson? And that guy could be a monster, but what, coming off an injury and probably going to have a committee situation there? Yeah, I, I like, he looks really good, right? So, I have so 19. the eye test. Yeah, he, he looks like it. Yeah, he passes the eye test for sure. And he catches passes. He's good at everything. The, the problem is he got hurt. And Theoretic is still there for now. And CJ Anderson is there now. And if he loses goal line, he loses some receptions. It's just, it's hard to be that good. And the offense team is probably going to be bad too. All right. Next one I want to ask you about is uh, Houston guys, uh, Will Fuller, Kiki Cootie, um, just a target hog out of the slot there for a while. Both those guys could be total monsters in a, in a situation, you know, uh, no running game, running quarterback running for their life. What if Hopkins goes down even? I know Fuller, I feel like his draft price, uh, this, the injury risk is taxed in usually with him. So I don't know. I kind of like those guys. Yeah, I moved up QT to 40 in PPR. The problem, I couldn't give him more than 97 targets because he just, these guys get hurt so much, both Fuller and QT. I mean, they just, they just couldn't stay healthy. But QT would be the slot guy. And I think he'll ca- he got a lot of work last year. And you're right. Like, they don't, you know, Hopkins is the biggest target hog in the league. And Fuller's there. But that's all they got. They don't really have a tight end. They don't throw to the backs. All of Deshaun Watson's passes go to those three guys pretty much. And so there is enough to go around for three players for sure. And then if one of them, like Fuller, misses time or QT misses time, the other is going to get even more share. Like QT had a huge target share when Fuller was out last year, even with Hopkins there. So... I like them both. It's just there's two of them, and QT is more of the slot guy, although he is fast. And just between the injuries and Hopkins, and I have him 40th, but I could see bumping him a little bit higher. I'm all over Dante Foreman, man. I want no Lamar Miller. Um, I think Foreman, this is this could be the year. They didn't really address the position there. I thought, I thought they would at the draft. So, like, Foreman is a flyer for sure. Next tandem. Can Foreman catch passes, though? I mean, if you're in a PPR, it's just you're banking on a guy who's competing for a job, who's coming off an injury, and doesn't catch passes. Like, that's just, it's hard, it's hard to, it's hard to really get behind that. Possible. I mean, it could be like a good running back, whereas Lamar Miller's not great in a system that, you know, fast pace and they, and they you know a lot of scoring options possible he could be like i guess 10 touchdowns but we don't know that he's good yet he could be good we just don't really know support for this podcast comes from u.s bank when you're looking for a credit card get one that wins awards the u.s bank visa platinum card is NerdWallet's 2021 best of awards winner for best zero percent intro apr and balance transfer credit card 
It provides a great way to pay for large purchases over time, as well as consolidating other card balances. And speaking of award winners, the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card is NerdWallet's 2021 Best Credit Card for Dining Out or Ordering In. Earn four times points on takeout, food delivery, and dining. Get two times points at gas stations, grocery stores, and on streaming. If you're into cashback or travel rewards, U.S. Bank has credit cards that feature those benefits, too. Check out their full suite of credit cards at usbank.com slash credit card. The creditor and issuer of these cards is U.S. Bank National Association, pursuant to a license from VCUSA, Inc., and the cards are available to United States residents only. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Right. No, I'm, right. I'm saying if a, a guy who's actually, you know, Lamar Miller getting C production, C minus production from the tailback, what if he's just a B, I'm saying, if, you know, from the a position with those receivers we mentioned, and I guess the, the offensive line can't be any worse. You might be right. Obviously, it would, it would help if he caught the ball. Um, what about the, the wide receivers in, in Denver? Cortland Sutton, um, definitely up and down. Is it Deshaun Hamilton, I believe it's pronounced? They really like to target, kind of like QT, just targeting like crazy out of the slot. Quarterback situation could be extremely shaky, though. So, I mean, do you like any of those guys, or are they going to be kind of overhyped? Because, you, you know, some I feel like those are college, collegiate guys would like their, their tape or whatever, and they might be drafted too high. I have Sutton at 36. I'm making him the number one guy. They paid Sanders, so Sanders, I yeah. guess they expect him to come back. But he's like 32 or something or 33 with Achilles tear. Yeah, Achilles. So he's yeah. 49. I just and, – and Joe Flacco sucks so much. I mean, that's really a – that's just a anchor. Joe Flacco is – I think he's worse than Eli, perhaps. You know, this is – it's really – that is an awful situation for the passing game. So Sutton, I think, was drafted to be the top guy. You're talking about Deshaun Hamilton? Is that what you're yeah. talking about? Yeah. Yeah. Did you forget yeah, I have, him have him? 100. Number oh, okay. 100. So you buried him because you thought that Sanders is going to be bad. Okay. All right. Okay. So I probably have him. Maybe so. I should move him up a little bit, but I, I didn't. I just think, like, in that, uh, a spec guy coming into a role where there is a guy they paid and they've got, you know, Sutton and they drafted a tight end in the first round. Yeah. And they, like, their him. running backs are actually decent. Man, I just. I have, yeah, it's hard for me to, I mean, it could, of course it could happen, but it seems like there's a lot of things that have to happen. Yeah. And I know people like that. No, I think it's Fant, um, the tight end, but, uh, I'm not touching the rookie tight ends, but yeah, no Flacco is so bad. I, I agree. I don't have any of those guys in my top 35. Uh, what about your giants, uh, Tate and Shepard? So I have Shepard at, um, 23 in PPR and I have Tate at 33 and, uh, you know, it's not that far apart. I guess I just think that Shepard is the guy who's the incumbent and he'll run sort of more routes. They're not going to throw very far down the field. It's all going to be dink and dunk. But Shepard will get, you know, a little bit more and Tate will be in the really short areas. And the difference is really that Tate has four touchdowns and Shepard has six on my projections. Shepard has a, a few more yards too. But, you know, they're they're both going to be serviceable when they play. The, the Giants will... They'll throw a lot of short passes. That's that's Shermer's offense. Yeah, no, I um interesting. Okay, because I I have Shepard in that aforementioned dynasty league. I was curious which you like those two. May but that's kind of just that's just a guess, right? Kind of the incumbent. To, who, you, do you have a feel that you like Shepard more? What younger? I mean, Tate's thirty one. He's still yeah. good, but he, last year he was bad on the Eagles, and he's thirty one, and he's coming into the offense from scratch, which is usually hard. His job is pretty easy. He's catch a short pass and run after the catch. That's what he normally does. But Barkley's going to be catching short passes. Ingram's going to be catching short passes. Shepard is not exactly Tyreek Hill either. So 
it's just a lot of guys in the short areas of the field. So it's, I don't, it's kind of a curious sign in Golden Tate. Yeah. What, yeah. Evan Ingram, I want to really like, you know, obviously with Beckham gone, but uh, just the quarterback situation, I could just see be so, such a problem. I'm, I'm the guy I'm kind of targeting. If I don't get Kelsey or Kittle, whom I would go after in the second round, is OJ Howard and like whatever. I don't know what it'll cost him, fifth round pick or whatever. I think he could be, he could be a beast. I'm right. I, Ingram, right? I mean, Ingram could be really good, but this that situation scares me. I think OJ Howard is the bigger talent. I mean, Ingram's faster. Ingram's like ridiculously fast for a tight end. He's like four four three. I think OJ Howard's just a better player. And whenever he's been healthy, he's been a monster. He just keeps getting hurt. I think Jared Cook. Nobody's really talking about him, yeah, but like, yeah. And the, the, you know, the, the thing is, the Saints. The Saints are interesting because Michael Thomas is a given, Kamara is a given, right? But then you have Latavius Murray. Is he going to go full Mark Ingram? Is he just going to be a, a backup? That's that's undetermined. And then you've got Traquan Smith. Traquan Smith, who's like ask, could easily take. I was going to yeah, be on my list. I have him number sixty, you. and, and yeah, I get okay. I have him for five, five touchdowns, seven hundred forty-seven yards. But he's got upside. But then they added Jared Cook, who was like really productive last year. So they've got all these options. But then the other problem is Breeze got eight point two yards per attempt, but he only threw like five hundred and five attempts. I mean. The Saints are a run-first team now. So there's not that much to go around. You think, oh, it's only Michael Thomas and Kamara who's a running back. Like, there's Traquan or Cook or somebody. But you're like, they actually just don't throw that much. Yeah, that, that is interesting. Kamara, can I just say that real quick that I'm none of the top picks? Like, I don't know exactly where I want to pick in a draft because I was just thinking about it. And I could kind of knock all these guys. Elliot, I mean, what, another off-the-field thing. I'm not, like, super excited without Dallas's offense. But I guess he's probably in the best situation. Fine. Barkley, really concerned about that offensive situation. I mean, when Camaro no, no, and Mark no. Barkley, returned, don't worry about I mean, okay, Barkley, you're no, saying no. fine. Okay. Don't be crazy. Don't be crazy. Barkley, last year in a pretty bad offense, just went crazy. Remember, Beckham missed the last four games. It wasn't, like... Didn't affect anything. He might get 450 and, touches, Barkley. I mean, seriously, his yeah, pace and he's without catch Beckham, so many passes. Pace without he's, Beckham, and he's so okay. I'll give you a stat. Okay. How many 40-yard runs did Barkley have last year? Oh God, I'm bad at this stuff. I'm really bad. Uh, I don't know. Ten, eight, four, eight. 40-yard runs, not 15 or 20 yards. He's a running back. Think about how often a running back runs for 30, 40 yards. I don't know. Carry. Oh, like a couple, like probably three or something, be the leader or something. I don't know. Seven. Three, it's yeah, seven. Okay. Well, okay. I was close. I said eight with my first okay. one. I went high, but okay. fine. Okay. So who do you think number two is? I mean, I mean, how many do you think number two had? He had seven. Right. Okay. I'll say three. Four. Nick Chubb had four. Four, yeah. Naturally. And that. then Mixon, McCaffrey, Pete, Adrian Peterson, Philip Lindsay, and Isaiah Crowell had three. And then, and then Derek Henry, Lamar Miller, and Tevin Coleman had two. And Zeke Elliott, Chris Carson, and like 20 other people had one. Right. Okay. 40-yard runs, there are only one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten guys in the NFL as running running backs, ten running backs in the NFL or anybody in the NFL had a four had more than one 40-yard run last year. Barkley had seven. That's how good that dude is. <laughs> he, he's he's playing at a different level than these other guys. So don't worry about Barkley. He's going to be okay. just fine. And they right, well, and they actually upgraded the offensive line significantly. In the offseason, that, that's the only positive thing they basically did this offseason. I mean, I think Barkley is safe as it gets. And then Elliott, the off-the-field thing is obviously a concern, but how many passes did Elliott catch last year? Do you yeah, know? I know a lot. Probably. He really got up there. Well, he, did he miss, I don't know, 60? 77. 
Wow. Yeah, no, no, he's just a totally, and he was not catching them at all before that. So no, definitely monster. Yeah. What's nice is having both those dudes in league of leagues. We have both of them on, on, on our same. Okay. Team, and, right? and, and, and by the way, he caught those 77 passes in 15 games, right? I was going to, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, okay. I mean, so Elliot then, caught 77 passes. He used to be, uh, you got to rank Zeke third in PPR behind David Johnson, Lev Bell. You can't put him up with those guys cause they catch passes. Dude, he caught 77 in 15 games. Yeah, no, those those two are fine. Okay, then let's keep keep doing this this exercise here. Kamara, without you know, when when Ingram played, he wasn't exactly a superstar. He's not he's not huge. Um, who knows, as you said, what Murray is going to be there. Basically, going to take a committee back third overall. McCaffrey coming off that last year's, you know, you're buying high big time and coming off that workload. I mean, Bell didn't play last year. I I, I like Connor kind of around here. I mean, David Johnson, people are going to take him there. I mean, you know, he's back to back disappointing years. Melvin Gordon. I mean, I don't know. I think there's a lot of kind of question marks with those guys. And, and I think you have to take running backs there. So do you have I think thoughts the strongest on class, strongest class in recent memory. Barkley and Elliott are no, as no, no, rock no. solid. I, okay. I, I agree. I agree with that. It is the strongest game. I guess what I'm saying is I don't know what pick I want is, is, is what I'm right. saying with this. But None I'm of these saying, guys okay, so the first two out. are as rock solid as it got since like Sean Alexander and LaDainian Thompson. I mean, you got to go back that far to get like rocks like that at the top. They're young they haven't had injury problems. Kamara, let's just look at Kamara. Both of his, for each of his first two years, he had 81 catches in each year. So he's played 31 games. He has 162 catches. Last year, he had 81 in 15 games. Last year, he scored 18 touchdowns, 14 on the ground, four through the air. Rookie year, he had eight touchdowns and five through the air. So he had 13 touchdowns his rookie year, 18 touchdowns last year. If you're in a PPR and you're getting 81 catches and double-digit touchdowns, the rest is gravy. I mean, you, you, know, you don't need that much, okay? Secondly, his yards per carry, 6.1 his rookie year, 4.6 last year. He's very, very good. Okay, third, Latavius Murray at most is going to be Mark Ingram, and he may be less than Mark Ingram. You know, I mean, he's, he's not going to be more than Mark Ingram. Once Mark Ingram was a former first-round pick, he was kind of a star in his own right. So they're not going to use Murray more than that. And then fourth, you know, Kamara's not small. He's 5'10", 215. 5'10", 215 is feature back size. As far as we know, Kamara could have 260 carries and 75, 80 catches. That is not small at all. He's completely full size. In fact, Ingram, who's considered more of a workhorse, is 5'9", 215. Yeah, I think I refer to him as small because he's just so damn fast. I think he must be small for, that, for his speed. He's quick. All right, what about the next one, McCaffrey, CMC? So I don't like McCaffrey. I mean, I was wrong on him last year, and uh, what's his name? Uh, Ron Rivera said they may ease up on McCaffrey's workload. Also, Cam Newton was hurt all last year, so he may run more. They're just they're going to be a little bit different offense. The passing will probably work a little bit better with Cam's shoulder back. And even with last year being such a great year for McCaffrey, only 219 carries. So... You know, I think he's more like a 180 to 200 carry guy. I don't think they really need him at 219. I think the seven touchdowns are probably pulled back on the ground like for like five. But, I mean, he went 107, 867, six through the air. And they'll be regression because he broke the all-time record probably. But, you know, if he's 94, 750, and four or five through the air and still getting 180 to 200 carries on the ground, I, I don't think he's, he's going to win you the league like he did last year, but... I don't think he's like a, a giant risk. I prefer right. the other three. I don't, I don't think McCaffrey's like some kind of giant risk. Okay. 
All right. And is it, does it stop there or are you, or are you excited about like, no, uh, I, I really like David Johnson. David Johnson is like a risk Johnson, because okay. two reasons, two reasons he's a risk. One is last year we thought it was a sure thing. We're like, okay, he just hurt his wrist. Like he's fine. He's going to be a monster. Mm-hmm. And the offense was so bad. Also David Johnson, how many yards, you know, when David Johnson was a ridiculous monster and scored 20 touchdowns and had 80 catches in 2016, how what, what did he average per carry? I actually, I'm cheating. I actually have him open in front of me. I see it. Sorry. I don't want to cheat. I see it. It's like 4.2, right? Yeah, and then 4. last 2. year, yeah, 3.6 in a terrible environment. He yeah. was great as a rookie, but as a small sample, like is David Johnson an elite runner? Is he really an elite, like between the tackles runner? He's a great pass catcher. He may just be a good runner. Or maybe he's elite. I mean, we don't really know. I'm just saying we don't know how good of a rusher he is. It certainly seems like it requires him to be in space more so than most backs, but he's very right. special so, when he is. When he is, he can be very special right. when he is. So, so that's just a, that's just a question, right? So if, if he needs to be in space, that's great. They'll probably be smarter this year and get him in space, and you know, could be a monster. But just a new system and what they want to do. But if it goes right with Kyler Murray and a mobile QB and a super high tempo offense where they're running a yeah. lot of plays and a lot of volume, it might it could go so right. It might be exclusively out of shotgun, they're saying. That could be fun. Yeah, I know. It could go so right. Yeah, okay. I, I mean, I, if it goes right, sure. if it goes right, he could lead, you know, he could maybe set the record from yards for scrim- from scrimmage. He could score 20 times. He could catch 90 pounds. Pa- I mean, the sky's the limit. So it, it's, I think you start to get risk with David Johnson more than the other four. But give me David Johnson's ceiling over Kamara and uh, McCaffrey any day. Yeah, it definitely could be talked into that. Um, but now, Le'Veon Bell, now, do you not have some trepidation there? Uh, a little nervous because Gay's, like, flat out basically said he didn't want him. And yes. that's just not a good way to – that's not a, that's not getting off on the right foot. But they paid him, and they got to use him, and I'm sure they're going to use him up. So – but Gay's is such a douchebag. I mean, he'll just, like, randomly use people one game. It's not going to be like the Steelers where you're like, all right, I'm getting 28 carries and eight catches every week. Like, I, I know I'm getting that. So, yeah, and the Jets, like, who knows? Darnold could be good, but he might not be. And Gaze is just a weird guy. I, yeah, Bell, there's reason to be a little nervous, but given what they paid him and given who he is and the lack of real competition, I think, I think you know, he's, he's definitely like a you know, mid-first-round pick. Um, and then I like James Conner, I think, more than you, just in that system, no Brown, and just, what, yeah, just again, that system, they treat, treat – one back like a workhorse there. And then the other guy, I saw that you even, uh, the aforementioned Mario Puig, uh, I believe you link, uh, tweeted something with him. Him proclaiming that Nick Chubb one of these years is going to rush for 20 touchdowns. I love that system, obviously. I mean, with, with Mayfield and o- ODB there, everyone's going to love the Browns as a breakout. Chubb, what was he, number two in your 40-yard little deal you were talking about? And he certainly didn't play the whole year, his rookie season. So what are your thoughts on him? I know people have questions about his receiving ability, but he was okay when, he, when they threw it to him. I mean, didn't everyone question Elliott's receiving ability? I don't, I don't really worry about that so much. I mean, yes, there are I think Jordan I think you got to worry about there. it. There are Jordan Howards out there, but Chubb did catch. He got targeted fine three four times a game the second half of the year. So I think he could be fine there. Yeah, my issue isn't that he can't catch. It's that he's he's clearly not like outstanding at it. And they have a guy who is outstanding at it, at least on the roster for now, Duke Johnson. So they have a third down guy. And then Kareem Hunt's coming back. And people are like, oh, who cares about Kareem Hunt? You know, he was a system guy in Kansas City and Andy Reid's system. And Chubb is going to be awesome. He's really good. And once he's like crushing it, 
Hunt will be like more insurance, and that's possible. But you know, if you're the Browns and you're like whatever seven and you know seven and one or six and two or even five and three, you might want to you know, and this is just normal NFL, just like say, all right, Chubb doesn't need to get 24 carries a game. Let's give him 18 and just give Hunt part of the workload just to ease it in. I mean, there's just no reason to load up your guy if you think you're a playoff team. You want him fresh for the playoffs. So I think Hunt will get carries, and Hunt is good, and he can catch pass as well. And then Duke Johnson's there for third down. So in PPR, I just, as much as I think Chubb could score 20 touchdowns, I agree with that. Um, I think it's going to be more of a, not Jordan Howard, but more like, his ceiling is like, I mean, it would be ridiculous, but prior, you know, Zeke Elliott, but probably not, you know, he doesn't have as good of an offensive line as they did, as they did. So, you know, but it's, he's more of a, a one, a one dimensional guy, I think this year. Yeah. And I want to love Derrick Henry more because I believe, man, he just looked like a guy who ran possessed at the end of last year. That's why I thought he was going to be in the NFL. Um, but man, just not enough for PPR. It's just so tough. You know, I mean, what do you Derrick Henry in round four in PPR? It's fair. I have him in 22. I gave him 256 for 1,211 touchdowns. I gave him a lot of touchdowns on the ground, but then only 21 for 144 through the air. I mean, Deion Lewis is still there, and they're just loaded with receivers there suddenly, and Mariota runs also. I think, I think he's really good as a running back, but, you know, he's – yeah, in PPR, it's just – got to catch passes, especially in this – when Zeke Elliott's catching 77, yeah. you got to catch <laughs> passes. And then last one I said, Ronald Jones. You see the hype on him. A lot of preseason hype on him. And obviously, no one's uh, you know excited about uh, Peyton Barber. So, have you moved him up at all? Any, have, you, have you read any hype? On I him? did. I, I moved him up to forty-seven from like off my you know like way yeah, down right. there. Right. Okay. Because they didn't they didn't draft anybody, and Barber no, know, is right? mediocre. And you love that offense. I mean, you love them. I mean, Evans and obviously Winston and Godwin. I mean, it's Howard. I mean, it's very the opportunity is there. Yeah, there's opportunity there. I mean, the problem is that. They're a terrible defense, so it's not a running back friendly setup. It's more of a shootout friendly setup. But sometimes in shootouts, a running back will score three touchdowns. You know, it's sometimes the guy gets tackled at the five, and the running back's the guy who takes it in. So a lot of back and forth isn't always bad for the back. But yeah, I, I think he, we don't know if he's any good. He's just some second round pick who didn't pan out last year, and he'll get a ch- he'll get a chance. That's all we know. He'll get a chance, and the competition's not that stiff. And I think it's a problem. I think his main issue was being raw as like a blocker, you know, pass protection and stuff. That's not great for the system in which they're right. running. Yeah, in that yeah. I mean, it's a mod, sure. you know, he's a guy that you should be throwing a dart at late, but not really too excited about him. All right, let's get to the uh, extra stuff. Um, just a couple notes I took. Uh, I see, um, I saw that you, you linked to, I just saw it right before we went on. So I didn't get to read much of it or I'm not sure if it got over my head anyway, but a, some quantum mechanics, uh, space time article you linked to. And the other thing I wanted to ask you about was, I, I, I think you said it on the XM show and it didn't come up when I first Googled it, but then I found the article that medical errors are the third leading cause of death in America these days. Like how wild is that? That's, that's, is that true? I know that it was like heart disease, uh, cancer, and then like accidents, but uh, how, how true is that statement? Is this one of yours? There are more dead people you know, more pe- living people than, you know, the, the farce that you put me these, the, in the past. Or, <laughs> it, it seemed yeah. like there was something to that in my, in my cursory glance, a uh, uh, Googling search. Yeah. I thought I saw it in the Washington post, which is not a reputable paper in my opinion, especially, but this is pre Amazon, but it was still mediocre. But I thought it, it is like, there was something like 350,000 people a year die due to medical error. And they're not talking about like, well, you're in the hospital and then you die. Like a lot of people are already sick and they die in the hospital, many millions. 
talking about errors like the wrong medication or an infection. I don't even know if they're counting infections because then it would go even higher. Uh, but it's when you grow up, you think, oh, the doctor, oh, yeah, that we trust the doctor. The doctor knows what he's doing. Of course, he's the doctor. Like, you know, he's a professional. He's gone to school forever for this stuff. And they know what they're doing. They know how to stitch you up. They know how to set a, a bone if you break your bone. If you're having a heart attack, they know how to st- you know, stabilize you and do whatever the hell they're supposed to do. They're pretty good about that kind of common stuff. But, man, you know, there's a lot of organs in the body. There's a lot of new environmental pollutants and poisons that are really harsh on people long term. And they don't really know what the hell they're doing. There's a lot of corporate interests that are tainting medicine. We've talked about this kind of thing before. And the hospitals themselves are major profit centers and their incentives are not really aligned with care. You know, they're aligned with profit and don't, you know, don't go to the hospital unless you have to, you know, don't get involved. Take care of your health. Don't get involved in the medical system. It is a a huge disaster and a huge risk and obviously so expensive, but it's just, you are not in good hands. And so just, you know, obviously you can't help if you get hit by a car and, if there's some polluting chemical plant a mile and a half from you that you don't really know about and you're, you get sick, well, it's, can't really help that and try to be informed and move. But a lot of shit's in the air that you don't know that you're breathing in. Remember those poles the you, were living, you, you were living next to in LA? Yeah, those electrical. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> that thing was right outside my balcony yeah. in Venice. I was, I was stressing me out. Yeah. Um, but, you know, do whatever research you can about being healthy and eating right and taking care of yourself because, man, you do not want to – uh, the, the model today is eat the shit that's in the grocery store, hope that you get lucky, and if you don't get lucky and you get a problem, then go to the doctor, go to the hospital system, go to the medical system. That is like the worst plan you could possibly have. The best plan is figure out what's actually healthy, ignore all the corporate food that they're putting on you that's terrible for you, find the food that's actually real and healthy for you, and then avoid the medical system unless it's absolutely necessary. So that's... That's and all I really have to say sitting about in that. the hospital, they'll serve you chocolate pudding and garbage food. Right. That just really shows how little they care, you know, and how divorced they are from how the body works. I mean, your body's what heals you. It's not the doctor. Your body heals, but your body needs the raw materials to heal. And sugars and refined fake foods are not going to do it, you know. So it's just, it's, it's truly, yeah. Th- that just shows like how how out of touch they are. But yeah, that's all. I mean, we've we've kind of been over this already. Yeah. Well, before I went on here, uh, I was reading some cool, uh, interesting New York Times article about some uh, retired Navy people just talking about seeing some uh, some crazy space alien ships. But I think it's different than the one you you linked to the uh, the space time deal. Did you want to talk about that? Yeah, this I'm, I'm trying to wrap my mind around this because I always feel there's analogies and everything in physics. And, in you know, when you when you find something at like a deep level in reality, like in science, it actually applies to like everything else uh, in a weird way. And I'm always trying to think about it. I don't have the math or the physics chops to truly wrap my mind around this, but I, I guess the basic idea, and I'm probably botching this, people know more about this than me, is that Einstein, you know, in his theory of rel- relativity, discovered a lot of things that, you know, Newton did, you know, we were sort of like in the Newtonian mechanics model for centuries. And then Einstein came along and was like, well, actually, at the speed of light, that's not true. And he discovered things about gravity and the way that gravity actually distorts space-time. So like a gigantic star or black hole will bend space. And that's why like, if you get near – and time. And so if you, you know, were near a black hole, like time would slow down. So, that, so he had this whole other thing, and he had all the math to back it up. And a lot of his predictions became true when you know, light around a star like the sun actually was – you know, gravity was bending – the, the space around the sun. And so 
Einstein's theory is proved true. But then there was another branch uh, of, of science, of physics, which was quantum mechanics, which looked at really, really small things, like what's going on inside an atom. And there were a whole other bunch of observations and theories about that, and they were tested, and they proved very predictive and true, a lot of them. So I think, like, but the thing was, like, Einstein's equations about how stuff worked with gravity just did not apply, did not work at the quantum level. So you had these two successful theories that predicted all these outcomes. And once it's predictive and you can show things that, well, if this were true, then this would happen, and then they measure it, and it does, you're like, oh, shit, this is true. They had these two massively important theories, but they were incompatible with one another. And I think a huge issue in physics, again, I could be botching a lot of this, so bear with me, was how to unify these two dis- seemingly disparate and contradictory theories. And basically, they just didn't line up. But some scientists, apparently, the, the Einstein equations didn't work with quantum mechanics. But if you, instead of using a four-dimensional model, which is, you know, height, width, and length, you know, three dimensions of space plus time is a fourth dimension, and reduced it by a dimension to three, they started to fit a little bit. And they came up with this theory, and this is some crazy stuff that I only, not even partially, it's just like a tiny bit of understanding, where there's these, there's these particles that are entangled. So if two particles originate from the same, I don't know, electron burst, or I don't know exactly what it would be, they could be linked even though they were a trillion miles away. If one of the particles was measured doing one thing and another was measured doing something else, um, they would be linked, even though they, they couldn't possibly communicate with each other because, A, they don't communicate with each other, and, B, if they did, it would have to be faster than the speed of light, which is impossible per Einstein. So they couldn't possibly be getting this information to one another, and yet the behavior of one was influencing seemingly the behavior of the other. They were entangled with each other. And so like the solution was sort of like, well, the way they communicate over vast distances is not by communicating through space and time. They don't need to communicate through space and time because they're communicating at a different level before space and time even exists. And the idea is that a network of these these entangled particles uh, are the thing that gives rise to space and time, which is an idea of like an emergent thing. Like I'll give you a, a simple example is like, you know, your brain cells, you have all these brain cells or, you know, you have all these cells in your body but what makes you a conscious human is not in any of the cells. You think of yourself. I mean, you're, you're basically not even conscious. You're basically just like a, an animal. But, you know, a, a regular human has these cells in their body. And in each cell, it's just a separate thing. But somehow they coalesce to the point where you're like, oh, yeah, I'm Dalton Del Don. And I'm going to do this podcast or I'm going to have a conversation. Okay, how does consciousness arise? It's an emergent property, basically, right? Right. You know what I'm saying? Sure. So like something like consciousness is emergent from these disparate cells and we don't really understand in in complex systems sometimes there's all these individual parts doing something and what emerges is some other level of thing unto itself like you could say the internet or the you know the stock market's an emergent property of everybody like trading amongst you know it becomes a market it becomes something that emerges uh, has a life of its own and I guess the idea is that maybe these uh, entangled particles that are in a lesser dimensional thing, just two, two spatial dimensions in one time or three total dimensions, their interactions and network makes space and time emergent so they can communicate over vast distances because they're not doing it in this universe. They're doing it in the three-dimensional, you know, the, the right. one minus one dimensional one that is what creates all of this. I, I, again, I'm probably totally botching this, but... 
that just sort of blew my mind. So, no, that's uh, deep. You know, if, yeah, that's deep. And, and like so it. what else, what else is like that? You know, what else right. is there like this crazy network of stuff? You know, the internet is a little bit like it where it's going to emerge as something bigger. You know, the, these, these interactions among like a lower level of, you know, network of things is going to emerge into something else and sort of transcend the law. You know, it's just, it's kind of mind blowing. Right. No, that's interesting. That's crazy, crazy stuff. Um, you have any thoughts, uh, on the politics landscape this week? Um, it looks like Mueller testified to say he wasn't going to testify and that was that, and that he didn't disagree with Barr's characterization. And I don't know what people are still holding on to, but I think that's over, right? I, I don't know. People still want to impeach Trump, but I think it's over. I mean, they're not going to let it go because they're, it's too embarrassing, but I think they may just like, you know, it's sort of like OJ trying to find the real killers at this point. Like you got to, yeah. if, if, you know, if OJ really were innocent, you can't just be like, okay, well, I'm, um, I got off the hook. You have to like do what you would do if you were innocent, which is to try to find the real killers. Right. So they've got to still pretend they're outraged or that Mueller is compromised or something. Right. Yeah, I don't think Bill Maher has accepted it's over, but he's gone kind of crazy uh, late, lately. But um, yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I, he's I he's you. a lightweight, Bill Maher. He's a lightweight thinker. He's a lightweight thinker? He's a lightweight. Yeah, he's a lightweight. He's not a serious, he's not a serious person. Um, all right. Uh, well, that's all I got other than uh, unless you want to talk more Warriors. We could go another hour, half hour. What, what do you want to do? Let, let's do a couple hours on the Warriors. I yeah, love that. Yeah, so exciting. Yeah. So interesting. Yeah, for sure, yeah. Pick them. They're like minus three twenty in the series, but uh, pick them or minus one game one. Very interesting. No, don't have home court advantage for once in the finals. Um, yeah, that's uh, that's my preview. Warriors in six. All right, I'm gonna say Warriors in four, but if Durant comes back, then Toronto wins. Okay, I like it. All right, man. Good stuff. And All right, uh, man. yeah. All right. All right. Cool, man. All right. Later Take then. it easy, dude. We'll talk to you next week.